for the growth ABM side, you're still covering your hundreds, if not thousands of accounts. And you've got these resource constraints. The biggest challenge here in terms of actually making this so that you can realize those results that you're hearing that other ABM programs and account-based go-to-market motions are realizing, it's that tiered methodology. You're listening to Sunny Side Up, a B2B podcast that brings you the juiciest insights from go-to-market leaders and practitioners. Good morning, everyone, and welcome back to the Sunny Side Up podcast. I'm your host, Tara Quell. Today, I am super excited to be talking with Davis Potter. We go back probably like a year or two now. We met through mutual friends, and we're going to be talking about forging the future of go-to-market enterprise versus growth ABM. Davis currently leads the ABM function at Telesign and the CEO of 4JX, a B2B market research and advisory think tank specializing in account-based go-to-market strategies and generative AI. He has experience launching, optimizing, and scaling ABM programs within hypergrowth VC-backed startups, mid-size organization, and some of the world's largest, most renowned enterprises. That sounds so official. Dave, really pumped to have you on today. Tara, thank you so much for having me on. I'm psyched for this combo. Cool. All right. So we're going to get into things here, and we're going to briefly talk about the core differences between growth ABM and enterprise ABM for our listeners who might be a little bit more new to the concept. And I'm going to have Davis talk through the difference between those and like how he sees the evolution of ABM coming to play here. Let's do it. So when thinking about growth ABM and enterprise ABM, essentially there are two fundamental frameworks that we're really seeing take place in the market, they've been around for a while. It's not anything that is fundamentally new, yet the traditional ABM methodologies that have been pushed are not meeting the needs for some organizations, and they've been running a different type of ABM. So that's almost where we've come up with these both different distinctions. So Let's break the two down. The first one, diving into growth ABM. This is typically seen within your, maybe it's a startup or mid-size organization. You don't have significant resources when it comes to budget and headcount at your disposal. And you don't have the luxury of putting all of your eggs in a one-to-one ABM campaign or a one-to-few. You have to cover hundreds, if not thousands of accounts in your account-based go-to-market strategy. So the typical way that is a best practice for doing this is you'll take your account universe and you'll tier them into tier one, tier two, and tier three. You'll do this based off of intent data, scoring, and, and several other factors, but the core, but at its core, Tier one should be your most strategic accounts that you want to pursue. Uh, tier two being a not a subset, but almost your second tier, those second most important accounts, it will have a larger amount of accounts in that list than tier one. 
and then all remaining accounts in your hundreds or thousands will fall in that tier three. Now, one of the biggest differences here is, again, you're probably a startup or a midsize organization. You don't have the luxury of having 12 weeks or 90 days to you know, actually build your campaign. You have to launch this thing fast. So typically in growth ABM, you'll see a four to six week launch time, therefore using a more simplistic go-to-market methodology when it comes to building the campaign. And the specific tactics in your campaign orchestration plan will vary depending on what tier you have. So for example, your tier one is going to get higher personalization, more resources when it comes to the tactics. You're able to do executive roundtables or certain tactics will only be eligible for that tier one. And then tier two and tier three will have less eligibility when it comes to the tactics and maybe less personalization or more personalization at scale. So that's your growth ABM side. Now, when it comes to the enterprise ABM side, this is what you'll hear from the ABM traditionalists, the ones who have been doing this for years at massive enterprise organizations as what they deem as only true ABM. So this is usually seen in, in your huge orgs. The ABM practitioner will do a one-to-one or a one-to-few campaign. One-to-few, meaning 25 accounts or less within a cluster. The target accounts will be set at the beginning of the campaign and lightly changed. There won't be a, a lot of fluctuation because you're doing one-to-one or one-to-few. And the campaign duration is six to 18 months where all of the tactics are eligible and personalization goes really deep within that one-to-one or the one-to-few. So for example, a one-to-one in enterprise ABM means the messaging, the personas, the campaign orchestration plan is built specific for one account. And that's why it usually takes 12 weeks or 90 days as a best practice to set up and launch enterprise ABM. And these organizations, they have the resources, they have the luxury of the time to be able to build that foundation. And so again, the biggest difference, growth ABM you have to launch quicker. You're probably going to do fast ABM plays and you're covering far more accounts. Enterprise ABM, you're doing one-to-one, one-to-few at its core, and you have the luxury and time to build a very personalized and custom campaign for that one account or that cluster. Yeah, I think what's so interesting is like both you and I have been at smaller growth companies as well as enterprise. And so when you're speaking to this, I'm like, yeah, I've done both of these different strategic plays and strategies and built the foundation of both of these. I feel like for enterprise ABM, like the notion of creating a bespoke campaign like that really resonates because you're essentially like you're placing all your bets on those one-to-one because likely I came from Fidelity Everybody knows who Fidelity is. So if you're trying to win over a large select strategic account, it's all about the personalization, the messaging, the relationships, the events, anything that you can make that's really personalized for that account. 
And then I think about, you know, my life here currently had demand base, right? We're a much smaller organization. Now, do we have a lot of resources? Yes. Do we do ABN every day? Yes. But the methodology at the foundation, I do believe is different, right? We're trying to test and learn. We're trying to iterate quickly. We're trying to figure out what sticks and what works. And that's a much different motion and faster pace than when you are at an enterprise. So I love this idea and like the notion of growth versus enterprise. So I think that takes us into a little bit of a transition where we can now start to talk about the distinctions between growth and enterprise and why is it important for businesses to really understand the difference. I think we touched on this lightly But we could also kind of dive into what are the challenges with this? Like the challenges you face at an enterprise are going to be much different, in my opinion, than they would be at a growth company, right? So let's kind of dive into that a little bit. Totally. And so what's really interesting is there's a lot of content out there for enterprise ABM. But again, when it comes to the growth side, There are so many people who want to get into account-based go-to-market because they see the data, they know it works, but there hasn't been a framework established for the growth ABM and also the enterprise ABM side. has. uh, We've been going off of a pyramid that's been around for the past 20 years. And so the enterprise ABM and the growth ABM are truly a reflection of what's actually being practiced. And the challenges amongst the two are different as well. For example, on the growth ABM side, you don't have the resources that an enterprise ABM motion does. And let me give you a few examples of this. At an enterprise organization, you probably have the budget to bring on an agency who's specifically helping you with your ABM campaigns. You have large cross-functional teams Maybe you have a full content team who's building a lot of things that you can repurpose or personalize within your campaigns. You've got a massive SDR and and sales organization that is a well-running machine, whereas on, which which is a big challenge for the growth ABM side because you don't have those resources. You're building the, the custom landing page yourself. You're probably building the ads yourself or you're working directly with whoever it is and building them fast. And then on the enterprise ABM side, when you're in those massive organizations, your challenges are almost the complete opposite as where you've got a lot of cooks in the kitchen when you're building something. And so- A lot of sign off, a lot of approvals. Talk about the red freaking tape that goes through all stuff. It's like, you'll want to get an email out or you'll want to just build one piece of content and it will take so much longer as when you're in the growth ABM side, you can just get it approved same day. Sales or ship management finds out and then you have to start all over again. And and you're ripping those approvals all the way up to the top. And so you're not as agile as you are in the growth ABM side. But the the caveat is that you've got more resources behind you to build it. You just can't build it typically as fast. Yeah, I think when you were talking about, I mean, there were challenges within there, right? And then the distinction between growth and enterprise, like I'm sitting in growth right now. I'm the one who's building 
my custom landing page for my Dreamforce events. I'm the one who's going out and trying to find the partners that we want to, you know, do a financial services dinner with and a breakfast with. I'm the one who's coaching my seller who just got here two months ago on what our plan is, what our ABM motion is. I'm the one who's building all the content for the emails and how we're going to get the word out and figuring out how we're going to create excitement around this specific play that we have. So it is, I mean, I've lived both worlds and it is much, much different. So let's talk a little bit about the approach to target account selection and the difference between growth and enterprise, because I feel like this is where, you know, people who are starting out, they're like, okay, I want to do ABM, but tactically, how do I do that? And how do I think about selecting account? This is a really important question because just starting out on ABM, it's really easy to say, hey, sales team, just give me a list of accounts without going in actually running some analysis to give them, not only give the sales team direction, but also to have a data-backed view into making sure that you're either targeting the right industries or you have the right accounts in your target list. So the first thing that I recommend to anyone either starting out or if you've launched, including this in your next batch of when you're refreshing your ABM target account list, is the first thing I would do a revenue assessment. So understand where your revenue is coming from currently and where your pipeline is built at the moment. So this will help you understand, okay, these are the industries where it might make sense for us to put more of our resources and more of our ABM or account-based go-to-market strategy towards. Additionally, what can be helpful here is if your go-to-market already segments by target accounts, and this is typically your sales team. So you'll usually see strategic or select accounts, which are your top priority, enterprise, mid-market, and then depending on company and organization, maybe self-serve or your PLG motion is at the bottom. Uh, But again, another caveat, sometimes PLG is an integral part of the go-to-market. But if they've already segmented, that is a great place for you to start and also look at whether you're doing enterprise or growth, looking at the engagement of the accounts. And you don't have to have your contact engagement dashboard for your ABM program set up for this. You can look at other engagements such as you know your SQLs, your MQLs. What are some of the people in your CRM? What are they engaging with? How did they first talk to you? So doing some analysis around that, such as content, events. Also, intent indicators are huge, especially in the growth ABM play. My favorite form of intent is first party, for sure. But you can also look at so many other really valuable intent data, and that can help you inform what accounts fall within each of the three tiers for your growth ABM. So highly recommend intent data for growth ABM. And then additionally, looking at your account insights such as firmographic data. And then one really interesting piece to note for the enterprise ABM side is an account owner fit score. So since you'll be doing a one-to-one campaign 
where that one account gets the complete go-to-market methodology, meaning again, that messaging, target personas, tactics that are all on that 12 to 18 month timeframe just for that one account. You want to make sure that the account owner is the right fit for ABM. They're bought in. They're willing to to commit to this program and take their part in the actions of you know the tactics. Given that it's a partnership between marketing and sales, and so that is something that can definitely be overlooked in the enterprise ABM side. And where I would really encourage putting a bit of extra energy and effort when you're just starting to launch. That's so interesting because of the things that we started to talk through as we got through four, five, and six, like intent, account insight, account owner, the way that demand base is thinking about that is all around the buying group, right? There's different folks within the buying group. Some are stakeholders, some are champions, some are detractors, however you refer to like your buying group. And as you move up market, right, like the buying group becomes larger. And then you also start to have procurement and legal and risk and compliance who get involved and how do you make sure that an entire buying group is bought into the notion of what you're trying to partner with them, right? So I thought it was interesting that you called out an account interfit because so many times you can have an account that could be possibly showing intent, right? But maybe it's not the right time or like your account owner just needs a little bit more support. And so as someone who is selling into an account where they're trying to stand up this new technology for the first time, people will often ask me like, what made your sales partner so great? Or like, why did you choose this technology over another technology? At the end of the day, it really comes down to who supported me best, who was going to help me in my success and help me accomplish the goals and roadmap that I had. And I think that's really important to think about. Do you have somebody who's willing to take risks, who's willing to put their internal brand on the line? And how, as you, as a technology partner, how can you better support them? So I think that's really interesting how you were thinking about intent and insights and count owner and like where does the buying group fall into this and how can better support that buying group and especially the champion who at the end of the day is like doing most of the legwork internally, right? So let's talk a little bit about the resource constraints of startups and how does growth ABM adapt to ensure like that you could actually stand up an account-based motion and what does that look like? This is such an important question, especially when you're wondering, should I actually transition or pilot to an ABM program in an account-based go-to-market strategy? Given that you'll see all these massive enterprise organizations doing ABM and you feel a bit underrepresented. Or maybe you've tried it and it hasn't worked or like it hasn't panned out and like you hit a couple bumps like how do you get the courage to come back and be like no this really is like the right approach and the right strategy and how do we get the motion moving here totally and so for the growth abm side you're still covering your hundreds if not thousands of accounts and you've got these resource constraints the 
biggest challenge here in terms of actually making this so that you can realize those results that you're hearing that other ABM programs and account-based go-to-market motions are realizing, it's that tiered methodology. So the main thing here is in your tier one, these are your most important accounts. So you're able to maximize efficiency and you're able to actually put your resources into the accounts that truly matter. And then your tier two and tier three, tier two meaning you've got more accounts in there. They're your second tier. They're not as important to your go-to-market as your first, but they're still important. And then tier three is where all the other accounts fall. Just doing this alone is so, it's, it drives such incredible collaboration between the marketing and sales teams in terms of a partnership, because now where you want to put more of your bets within that tier one, and in the growth ABM, you're able to test and iterate so fast within your tactics. So you're able to, for the tier one, drive some personalization really fast. You're able to, for the tier two and tier three, get things up and running. Tara, to your point earlier, you're building the landing page, you're building all of the different backend material. You're able to get that running so much faster than an enterprise ABM motion. And with the tiering structure, you have that foundation where you and the sales team and the rest of the go-to-market understand clearly where you want to place your resources and where you should be putting more of an emphasis from your revenue from your revenue team to go and drive ultimately revenue and, and sales success. That's awesome. So we haven't really got into measurement or reporting or how we think about that. What are the differences between growth and enterprise? Can we talk a little bit about what should companies be tracking to measure the effectiveness of their strategy depending on approach? I know growing revenue is really important, increasing in contact engagement. Can we kind of talk through how you're thinking about reporting and measuring for these two types of strategies. This is something that I believe within the next 10 years, all account-based go-to-market methodologies will be using these core KPIs to measure success. And Tara, even going back to your conversation in around that buy-in group, this falls directly within two different buckets that we like to look at in terms of how you actually measure ABM success. So the first one is increase contact engagement. The second one is growing revenue. So these are the two core buckets that we're continuously looking at and continuously are working to refine. Now let's break these two down. So the first one, increase in contact engagement, there are almost two different things to specifically look at within here. One is the overall contact engagement within an account at its whole. So you're looking at that macro level and saying, okay, are my tactics and the sales partnership, are we actually driving engagement upwards in that account? And then the second piece is, okay, that's great. Engagement is going up, but 
in terms of the most important contacts to be engaged within this deal, are we driving engagement within them? Because you can have engagement at that macro level, skyrocketing skyrocket, for the account, but maybe the core stakeholders aren't actually engaged. And so that's why it's so crucial to make a distinction between overall contact engagement and then buying group engagement. And typically within the buying group, you'll see 25 to 35 of those core individuals who you'll tag within your CRM so that you can actually track this. Now that number can totally differ depending on uh, who you're targeting and what your customers look like. But one very important and key thing in terms of defining what contact engagement is, there are three different types. So contact engagement to, to us is within the past 90 days, has a contact interacted with your go-to-market teams in any capacity? So this being across sales, marketing, and customer success, have they attended an event? Did they have a meeting with sales? Did they respond to one of your SDRs outreach cadences or click through a marketing email? All of those falling within contact engagement. So if a contact's done that within the past 90 days, then they're engaged. If they had previously engaged with you, but haven't re-engaged within the past 90 days, then they've lapsed engagement. And the third bucket, meaning if a contact has not interacted with your go-to-market ever, then they're unengaged. So that really defining how you can measure effectively the contact engagement, and this is really important, especially for partnering with sales, because you can look at, okay, this person is really engaged, but we haven't had a meeting with them. Let's put an emphasis on inviting them to maybe an upcoming tactic or uh, this person lapsed engaged, but they are critical. We need to go do some partner with marketing if you're a salesperson or partner with sales to go get them re-engaging with us. And so that is why contact engagement is so important. And then the grow revenue piece looking at the actual revenue metrics, so contact engagement driving and, and filling right into this next bucket being deal velocity. So are your ABM opportunities progressing throughout the sales cycle, specific stages, faster than non-ABM accounts? And are they closing these opportunities faster than non-ABM accounts? Sourced revenue, and then influenced revenue as well. And so sourced revenue, looking at it as what engagement touch points occurred pre-opportunity, and then those being the sourced touch points, and then influence being post-opportunity creation, those being influenced touch points. So those are the really the two main buckets in growth ABM and enterprise ABM holding all of these as well. The only challenge can be on the growth ABM side, actually tagging that buying group, given that you're covering hundreds or thousands of accounts. And this is where MarTech can help. And in specifically, I was so amped when I saw the buying group 
new product from demand-based hair. I'm pretty sure I was messaging you right when I saw the the launch and had to go get a demo of it because it's something that we're not seeing a lot of in the market and it's so critical for ABM attribution. Awesome. I think that takes us to the evolution of what's going to happen in the next few years. So let's kind of dive into growth and enterprise ABM and how you see that evolving in the next few years with our favorite conversation of AI. AI is not only here, but it is going to make your life as an ABM practitioner so much better within the next five years. So a few different areas where I really see this coming into play. The first one being personalization. So you're, you'll be able to do this at scale, whether it's enterprise or growth ABM. It's not just going to be customer or the organization name. It's actually going to drive personalized uh, insights into your content, into what you're doing. You'll truly be able to speak directly to the pain points and the challenges of these specific accounts and map it back to how your organization can help them solve those pain points. So personalization at scale being huge. Account intelligence is going to be something that right now you either have to go through a vendor or you've got a couple different options that you can blend together to get some account intelligence and account intelligence being what's going on for an account within the news, what's happening in their 10K, intent, all these different attributes, you're kind of morphing them together right now. It's not the easiest setup to gather it for each individual account, but with AI, account intelligence is going to be something that is an afterthought. Everybody's going to have it for each specific account, and you're going to be able to provide those updates as to what's happening in real time. So let's say some news article just came out. Not only will the salesperson and the marketing team get an alert for what happened with that account, but you'll also have insights into the historicals, mapping back and putting together a timeline as to, hey, this is all the things that led up to this event. And then this is how you are poised to help them solve that challenge And then also another interesting one is next best ads. So this is something I'm really excited about because all of the ad platforms right now don't have the ability for you to actually test and create messaging in real time. So in the next five years where I see this going is you'll be able to have your ad platform plug in to whether it is you provide the contextual data or maybe it's even within some type of AI platform that's pulling in all the data from your Salesforce insights, your account intelligence, and actually being able to put together ad messaging and creative and testing that in the wild with your different accounts, seeing what resonates the best and optimizing the copy and the creative based off of that And the AI doing this all itself, where you as the marketer are overseeing it, maybe you're adding in some feedback or thoughts or making minor tweaks, but the ad platform actually being able to do this in and of itself. So you'll be able to scale personalized ads at a 
far greater depth and also ability to messaging together that will resonate with these specific accounts. So it's personalization at a hyperscale that we have never seen before. Yeah, what I love, like this is like my most favorite talking point. And I think we will get there. Brewster, our head of product, talks about this all the time and looking at what worked well and the tool or platform being able to optimize and iterate and you just becoming more of the editor at play, right? So you're not the one who's having to go out and work with the agency and design and create and message, but that the platform is taking into consideration the insights and what was working well and what was performing in the end, being able to personalize that with oversight, right? You're harnessing both the human aspect as well as the AI aspect. And do I think AI is going to change a lot of things? Yes. But at the end of the day, there is still going to be that human aspect. But I think definitely I see a lot of that starting to happen, right? I think that takes us to, you know, folks who may be like, what do I do? How do I adopt this? What advice do you have for them? Um, And then we'll kind of round things out. Let's do it. So if you're on the fence and you're hearing about these different ABM methodologies and maybe one consulting firm is telling you one thing and then from a big market research firm, you're hearing another thing, the most important, almost critical things to look at are one, how fast do you need to launch? Two, how many accounts do you need to cover? And then three, if you were to realistically put all of your resources into a one-to-one or a one-to-few campaign, one-to-few meaning 25 accounts or less, is that something from a go-to-market standpoint that makes sense? And if you need to launch fast, you have to cover hundreds or thousands of accounts and it doesn't make sense to put all your eggs in that basket, I would opt for a growth ABM. But if you are a larger enterprise, and you're looking to launch an ABM pilot, and you have the resources, you've got the ability to put together that true one-to-one or one-to-few motion, enterprise ABM is going to be best for you. Awesome. So one of the things that we like to do at the end of our recording is ask for anything that like you're up to speed on, good reads, good books, good blogs, newsletters, you know, whatever you're seeing out in the market. So what is one thing that you would recommend to our listeners who are tuning in? One thing that I've been loving recently is this newsletter all about ABM, which is called The Plice is Right. And it's written by Tyler Plice. And he's got great, actionable... Same clever. Yeah. (laughs) It's the greatest newsletter name. And he's actually got tangible things that you can take away. It's not just high-level ABM strategy, like ABM is more than ads. It is getting in the weeds of, no, this is tangibly how you should be doing something. So I definitely recommend going out and and tossing him a follow. Awesome. The other one that I was going to recommend is Peter from a startup company called Parta. He is doing some really cool stuff around insights based on the data that they have accessible to them. And he just launched a newsletter and it is really good. 
So if anyone is out there looking to grow an insights group, it's got a lot of really awesome information to share. So the last thing we ask is, who would you recommend we bring on the show? Okay, there are three people who are by far some of the brightest account-based marketing and not just ABM, but also demand gen minds in the game today. The first one being Desiree Daniels. She heads up ABM at Google Cloud. Alessandra Fagoni, she leads revenue marketing for a company called WorkHuman. And then Akriti Gupta, who is the director of customer lifecycle marketing for LinkedIn. They need to get on this podcast because you all need to hear their insights. So Desiree, Alessandra, Akriti, calling you out and uh, we need to get you on here. Awesome. This was so much fun, Davis. So happy to have you on. If for folks who are listening, if you enjoyed our, you know, little chat today, give us a review, give us a share with your friends and stay tuned because I will most certainly be reaching out to those three individuals that Davis recommended. So awesome for having you and thanks so much. Thanks so much for having me, Tara. This was a great combo. Today's episode is made possible by Demandbase. Demandbase is smarter GTM for B2B brands to help marketing and sales teams spot the juiciest opportunities earlier and progress them faster. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of Sunnyside Up. If you liked what you heard, please rate and review us and subscribe to our show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you consume podcasts. You can also find us on YouTube and Demandbase TV. 